DJ and PK is brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. All right, we got a question up on the Facebook page. You're ISO'd with one person from each of the major sports, college or pro. Who's it going to be? What inspired this, PK? What got you going? Well, we're all ISO'd here. We're just spending time uh, with each other. And last night, we got a two-story. You walk in, and it's the main level, and then the basement. And so I have an office, uh, which has actually turned into a man cave, where I'm doing the show from as we try to practice the social distancing. And so I'm downstairs, and my wife came down about 8 o'clock. I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, man, I just got to get away from her. She's driving me nuts. <laughs> we got a 15-year-old. <laughs> so we have been together now nonstop except for sleeping for over a week, right? No one's come in. No one's gone out. And so uh, she needed a break. And I'm thinking, man, this ISO stuff. And then I heard on the news they said in a serious note that, incidences of domestic violence have increased you can't be having that under any circumstance so it made me think in the world of sports who would you like to spend some time with alone just you and fill in the blank who would it be you just want to hang out yeah i think there's two ways to you can go right now or you can go all time Jesse wants a poker game, so not one-on-one, but Jesse wants a poker game with Tiger Woods, Rafael Nadal, LeBron James, Bryce Harper, and Tom Brady. It would be epic. It would be, but you can't, you're can't. not supposed to be together like that. Okay. I guess if you sat six feet, six feet apart. The biggest uh, poker I have someone, table known to man. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, someone, uh, sort of a crazy family situation, that was telling us the other day that usually takes her uh, about uh, 45 minutes to an hour to get to work in Vegas and now it's taken less than 15 minutes uh, no traffic huh? just yeah zooming right there and all of us have experienced Vegas traffic uh, with all those Californians that move there and they don't have enough freeways and whatnot and trying to get around that yeah. town is very difficult there aren't a lot of options no and so she was saying that uh, one of the blessings, uh, not that there's many, but in this case, it's reduced her commute time dramatically. So Vegas has taken a big hit as far as that goes. I think for me, for basketball, for NBA basketball, I would like to spend some time and talk to Bill Russell. That's my all-time guy. And in the current world in basketball, Mark Cuban. Why Mark Cuban? Because I think he's a fascinating guy, and he's got opinions, and he's willing to share them, and he speaks his mind, and obviously he's intelligent. And just get him to talk. I mean, back in the days, I used to write NBA stuff for the Watchdog, and you would email him if you had a question about something. Yeah, just email him. And he would respond in time. So you give him a few days' notice, and he'd give you an answer. So I used to quote him in the stuff that I would do in my NBA stuff. If I had a topic or an issue that I wanted to explore, you know, those columns would always run on Sundays. And uh, so I assume they still do. I haven't seen a hard copy of a paper in a long time. I haven't held one in my hands. But uh, I just think that he's obviously brilliant. He's got a lot of ideas. 
he's willing to share them. And I think he would be a fascinating discussion. I mean, there's hundreds of others, too. But Cuban comes to mind. All right, we got it out there. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, on Facebook, DJ and PK. So, legends, the people we never met, whose brain we'd really like to pick. Yeah. In football, my all-time guy is going to be no surprise to you. Roger Staubach. Bill Parcells. Ah, okay. (laughs) Bill Parcells, what makes a winner? And I think today, Jason Garrett. Oh, because everything went through in Dallas? What was the real story? Yeah, yeah. How do you handle all that stuff? No matter what you do, unless you go 16-0 and win the Super Bowl, it's a failure. And it'll be interesting to see what McCarthy does now. And is it possible to win at the level you want to win at when you've got so many of the people, and maybe it's not that many, but it's certainly influential from the Jones family who owns the team and has every right to do what they want, but don't really have the expertise. Well, along those lines, I think the guy I'd like to talk to then is Jimmy Johnson, because I think a lot of things you said about Cuban apply to Jimmy Johnson. He's smart. He's motivated. He's got opinions. You see him on uh, you know, the studio shows around the NFL games on Fox. And so to be able to pick his brain, because also the cool thing about him is you'd be able to talk college football and pro. He was a really good college football coach. Before Oklahoma State had, uh, had a ton of money when they were – a really, really poor sister to Oklahoma. He got him to 10-2. and two. And as soon as he got to 10-2, and two, he bolted and took the Miami job, and that's when he kind of stepped onto the national stage. But, man, to go 10-2 and two at Oklahoma State in that era, well, at any era would be great, but especially in that era. And the Cowboys, but not able to recreate what he did with the Cowboys when he went to the Dolphins. And, you know, why, why is that? Does it just come okay. down to the Herschel Walker trade and, and all those picks and then – Getting a little lucky with him. How much of it is luck and how much of it is skill? That has to be your all-time guy then because he's not a current coach or a player. Yeah. Out of all the NFL people, all the NFL people, you would choose Jimmy Jones. Well, I get to talk college and pro with him. Mine's similar in the all-time category. Bill Walsh. Your Niner fandom Mm -hmm. showing through. Absolutely. You can so many of those coaches. Bill Parcells coached in college too. I was gonna say Parcells also straddled both <laughs> leagues in both so sports. Did, yeah. So did Bill Walsh. I mean, I don't think that makes Jimmy Johnson unique. Jimmy had success at the college level that neither one of the other guys did, though. Yeah. Okay. Well, then Pete Carroll. Okay, Ooh, fair. Totally get the dish on what happened at USC. What was really going on? That's a great question. <laughs> Give me the dirt. You want to go back and talk to uh, any old-timers? Babe Ruth, traveling on trains, totally different era. If I'm going to go back in time, Willie Mays. Uh, it's, it's going to be Jackie Robinson. 
He's got stories. Yeah. If someone who's all-time in baseball, it's going to be – it's definitely going to be Jackie Robinson. And then to get the scoop on Marilyn Monroe, clearly it's going to be Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> Uh, Ryan wants to uh, wants uh, Nolan Ryan is on the list for baseball. Let's talk about those seven no hitters. The interesting Nolan thing Ryan, with Nolan sure. is how do you know? Like some days you just got it, and just an incredible level. And obviously you want to have that every time you compete, but you can't. How do you know when you have it? Why do you have it some days and not others? Because when he was on, who's better than that? I mean, the no-hitter says you are on. Yeah, maybe get a little fortune along the way, but didn't he have a bunch of one- and two-hitters too? I don't know that. Uh, but, I mean, he just – to me, it's always been amazing is what makes one guy throw harder than the next guy. You're not doing anything different. It's just like God just touched you and said, I'm going to allow you to throw 98, and I'm going to make you throw 91. What? And they both have the same windups. It's not like it's anything different. It's like speed in a sense. Why is one dude who weighs the same, looks the same, same race as the other guy, whatever it might be, but one guy's much faster than the other guy? What's the one dude do to allow himself to be faster? Because if 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 it meant if speed came through working on it. Everybody would work a little You know how many guys would make faster. the NFL? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of guys out there. Take a kid like Curtis Brown played for BYU. The guy gave his heart and soul into everything that he ever did at BYU. But he needed he another, such, yeah, he needed another yeah. year if he's going to get to the NFL, and he just didn't have it. Right. And he didn't, yeah. But it's nothing that he didn't do. He did everything possible, but he just couldn't run fast enough. He gave whatever he had, and... I mean, his work ethic was incredible. I enjoyed covering him his years at BYU because he laid it out on the line all the time. But you're right. He just didn't have just a little bit more, and he would have been in there. But it's not like he didn't. He, If I were him, I'm sure he was disappointed. I'm sure he's probably long since gotten over it. But it's not like he said, wow, man, I didn't try hard enough. No, he, absolutely you tried hard enough. So what? what is speed? What is fastball speed one versus another? Why Why was Nolan Ryan able to throw the ball as hard as he could? And yet, even if he could throw it hard every day, the results were so wildly different. I mean, career, he was 500-ish. Well, he has the career stolen bases allowed record for 757. He's got both records on both ends. Yeah, but you only break records like that because you you play for for that long. long. Yeah, a pitcher who loses 20 games is an awesome pitcher because usually you'd lose your job. Yeah, so to back you up, he had seven career no-hitters, as we all know about, 12 career one-hitters, which is tied for Bob Feller for the MLB record, 18 career two-hitters, and 31 career three-hitters, all of those MLB records. So you got his career record there? You're looking at baseball records? I'm looking at all of them right now. What's his career record? Career record... Oh, it's actually I mean, he, he lost a bunch of games. His career record, 324 to 292, so yeah. 52.6. So you got these days where you're out there, whether it's the no-hitter, the one-hitter, or the two-hitter. He said his mentality every day was to throw a no-hitter. Well, also, too, in those days, guys completed what they started, so he has yes. the losses. Yeah, he went up. Whereas and... today, 
those guys wouldn't be around. They're out in the sixth inning. So it is a lot different than what it was in his day. So you can see why he has the number of wins. Wasn't it when he left, was he, what, what, what franchise he left? He was going from, was he going from the Angels to somebody else? And the prior GM said, well, I can get uh, uh, a couple of 12 and 12 pitchers and we'll be just as good. Yeah, that quote was out there. I don't remember where it was, but it might have been the Angels. Right. You're right. Thomas wants to talk to Mike Trout. One-on-one with Trout. ISOed. Yeah, Mike Trout. Yeah, gosh, my goodness. He's so good. He also wants uh, Donovan Mitchell and Tom Brady. Yeah. I would like to get into Mitchell's head and to see what he's thinking uh, as far as what do you envision your NBA career being? Because he's going to be faced with a decision, and it's not here yet. It's a few years away, and we all know what that decision is. And we're still a little, uh, what was the phrase, uh, we're still a little nervous. We've seen it happen before. We know he's an East Coast kid and all that stuff. But what, what are you looking to achieve? Because, you know, you talk about if you can achieve it in New York, you can achieve it anywhere. And that's all true and all, and that's great. But what about achieving it right here in Salt Lake City? Doesn't that separate you? Yes, it would separate you. I think that's what Tim Duncan would say. Did it in San Antonio. Didn't right. go anywhere. Didn't go anywhere and chase it. Right. And that's why I keep in the back of my mind I keep hoping that the Knicks continue to suck. <laughs> Well, until they have an ownership change, that's the way it's going to work. I mean, bad. if you're a bad owner and you've got a bad track record for 10 or 15 years, you, you don't suddenly get better. Well, uh, yeah, the Clippers did, though. You, you, can, you, can get, you can stumble into a decent player if you keep getting high picks. That's the thing about the NBA. See, that's the difference with the Cowboys is because it's about an accumulation of players. Whereas in the NBA, if you stumble into one or two guys, you know, away you go. I mean, Philly in the process, and they had all those high picks, and you realize one of those high picks was Markel Fultz and another one was Jaleel Okafor. I mean, sure, you got Embiid and Simmons right, but at best you're batting 500 with all those, with those great picks. So they, in my mind, Philly, the process, well, you just you stumbled into these picks. Because it's not like you have all a slew of great picks that you built around. That's not the case. So I, I have a little concern. What we need to have happen is the Knicks suck until Mitchell signs his long-term deal, and then who cares? David says, who would I like to be isolated with? None. They entertain me, but I wouldn't want to be stuck in quarantine with anyone other than my family. Well, except for maybe Jimmer. Always Jimmer. <laughs> Thought you might enjoy that. Jimmer would have Jimmer. interesting stories. Yeah. He's got to have interesting stories. Multiple NBA teams and then playing ball in China. He's got to have great stories. He could entertain you. Plus, he's the original good guy. And you think about this. Since Jimmer left college, he's taken a lot of shots. 
a lot. People have come after him strong and really attacked his game and whatnot. But yet, every time you interview him, he's upbeat. He's got a smile on his face. He's talking about how he wants to make the best of whatever opportunity he has. It just, I don't know the guy from just interviewing him. I know somebody who knows him really well. Uh, but it always seems like he's having a good day. And I got to give the kid credit. He's his 30-year-old guy now. But he just has been always, always accommodating and always such a nice dude. And he'd have stories all day long to entertain you. And it'd probably, oh, be a really, yeah. probably be a really interesting discussion when you got into, you know, what makes you successful, what made you successful, you know, what would you go back and do differently with whatever club, you know, once you, once you become pro. It'd probably be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, he's had a good run, though. I mean, he's he's been able to play pro ball for a number of years. He got a shot at the NBA, and so, you know, maybe it didn't succeed to the level, but still you were in there, and your college career was just off the charts. So I think, though, if you really want stories, what you need to do is talk to college basketball coaches <laughs> and to a lesser extent college, college football. football. The, yeah. Those all the stuff that's going on with the AAU people, particularly in the basketball and the recruiting. Now we've been exposed to some, and I just don't think that the public really realizes the amount of stuff that's being exchanged and all the things that are going on in the name of winning. We've heard about some of the stuff there with Sean Miller, but if you think Sean Miller is a lone wolf. You're just kidding yourselves, man. And if if I could tell and name names of stuff that I know, and I probably know maybe 10%. You've scratched the surface, PK. Scratched the surface. Right. And I, I know more than the average Joe because I've been around a long time. People know when they tell me stuff that their names will never be used. And things that I've become aware of, that we've become aware of, I think they don't believe it. If you, it because, you know, the the hammer, Wilner, up at San Jose, he tweets out, you know, was it yesterday, that there's some HBO thing coming out next Monday or Tuesday, yep. and it's about Sean Miller, and he's talking to this Dawkins dude, and, you know, there's never any specific point-blank evidence, I will give you this amount of money for this player, but there's all sorts of circumstantial stuff. So he puts out there, I'd be surprised. I don't see how Sean Miller can coach another game in Arizona. So I love that type of stuff because then I look at their Twitter and all the people who are telling Wilner he's an idiot, you look at them, and in their description there, it's something Wildcat fan forever, location, Tucson, Arizona. Hashtag so bear got, down. Yeah, you've got these folks there. They refuse to believe it. They just refuse to believe that their guys are doing anything wrong or to the level that they're being potentially accused of. Whereas in my mind, it's the exact other way around. I refuse to believe that these guys are clean until I absolutely have completely and totally 100% evidence that they are so-called clean. And I don't even consider it 
dirty in that sense because this is what's going on constantly. This is not unique to anything. This is I'm not saying everybody's doing it, but there's a lot of stuff going on there. But everybody who's winning is doing it. Everybody's winning big is doing it. We got a guy looking us in the face and saying marketing came down to Utah and Arizona. And the guy looks at us and he says, and we know why he went to Arizona. We know (laughs) we know what happened. Pause. Pause. We know what happened. Yeah. So this type of stuff is just happening at it's an everyday occurrence in the name of winning. And so if you could get all that stuff out there, I think the general public, particularly fans of these particular teams, they would be shocked. That's really going on? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. For you, 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 even my school. I don't. I'm not a big college basketball root guy. But why did James Harden go to Arizona State? It makes no sense. Uh, no reason. <laughs> no. Come on. It, it just he loves Tempe. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a great place, but a basketball factory? Yeah, I don't think it is. And then do people know that this is nothing new? That this has literally been going on for more than fifty years? Oh, for sure. Elite yeah. players have been getting paid. The whole UCLA dynasty was built on a booster. It was taking care of players. There's a, there's a reason that they had NBA players as backups. Yes, yes. And John yeah, Wooden's a good guy, and John Wooden's a saint, and people love John Wooden. But at the minimum, when you're head coach in these situations, you look the other way. You just make sure you don't know what you don't know. But you don't go out and find it out and dig it up and stop it. Oh, yeah. And, so and I guess the, In some cases, how would you? Honestly, when a coach says that, how would I stop this booster? You kind of got to go, yeah, I don't know how you would do that. What are you going to do, make a citizen's arrest? can't follow him around for 24 hours. So I guess the ultimate guy to talk to then would be Rick Pitino. <laughs> <laughs> Just lay it out there, Rick. Rick, tell us how to do it, but also don't know what actually happened. Now, be careful when you say do it. Careful. Yes, be very careful with that phrase. He runs over to the sofa. No, 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 no. Yeah, could you imagine all the stuff that Rick Pitino could tell? You know, and that goes back to my Jimmy Johnson example, is that he's got pro and college stories, because I want to know about both. I, I, I I follow both, so I want to know about both. And so if you're going to be isolated with one person, I like the college pro crossover because I want to know about both. Except I don't think that there's really anything dirty going on in the pros relative to what we see as against the rules, so to speak. Yeah, it's different. It's different. But I still think it's interesting and I want to know about it. I, I get that. But in terms of you want junk, it's the college, college level. If you want dirty, Yeah. And if you want salacious stuff, it's going to be at the college level. And we know enough college people now that we've been exposed to these types of pieces of information. To where now, I don't even bat an eyelash. It's like, well, yeah, I, I get it. This is once, what well, this is what's going on. Once we heard about an elite player commanding money just for a home visit, which 
programs will pony up for because they can get other good players if they're in in the final group that's getting home visits. Yeah, that one that one surprised me. I hadn't considered it once I heard really? it. It made sense, but it just no one had ever mentioned it to me, and I had never considered it. So it's just off my radar. As soon as I heard it, I thought, okay, I can see why that works. You know why? Why would an elite player want that? Oh, it's more money. And then why would a program want to do that? Well, like, oh, if you're in on this elite player, it'll help you. You know, with other people you're recruiting. So I get that, but it didn't and- occur to me before. Yeah, I don't know. I, it did occur to me because I've been aware of it. But just to get an in-home visit is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It cost. And, and and the truth is, for me, I didn't bat an eyelash, and nor do I have a problem with it. Because the other side's making a ton of money, so why shouldn't the kid and his family? David Locke, Jazz Radio. Coming up next, we'll talk with David and then Chris Hill at 9 o'clock, the NCAA. Instead of a $600 million payout, they're giving out $225 million. What does that mean for different teams and different conferences? It probably means different things for Power 5 versus Group of 5. probably means something different for the Big Sky and the West Coast Conference than it means for the Mountain West. We'll talk with Chris Hill about that coming up at 9. David Locke, Talking Jazz, next. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The NFL Draft will take place April 23rd to 25th as scheduled. Commissioner Roger Goodell said in a league-wide memo distributed Thursday. It was obtained by ESPN's Adam Schefter and included in the memo, uh, Goodell... Warning teams, public discussion of issues relating to draft serves no useful purpose and is grounds for disciplinary action. Joe Montana believes the Patriots letting Tom Brady go was a bad idea. He talks about his move from the Niners to the Chiefs and says, I had a different story when they made the decision. Brady, obviously, they would have never gotten rid of. I still don't understand how New England let him get away. Fanatics, the company that produces uniforms for Major League Baseball, has suspended production. They are now making masks and gowns for hospitals and plan to make 15000 a day. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Syringa Networks. Syringa Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st Century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. The head coach of the University of Utah, Kyle Whittingham. Coach, help us understand what social distancing looks like right now for a college athlete. First of all, 95% of our players are home with their families. The campus is essentially shut down. The dorms are just about to close here. There's only a handful of people in the dorms. And so it's definitely something that you know none of us have ever experienced as far as our coaches. you know We're staying out of the office for the most part. Now, that's not to say you can't come in and get things done. I spend some time in here and you know try to get as much as I can done from home but some things I got to do from the office. But it's just a matter of being smart and trying to, uh, you know, adhere to the, the guidelines that have been set down. And the biggest deal right now is making sure each assistant coach is in tune and completely in contact constantly with their position groups. And that's the number one thing that's going on right now. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. David, good morning. 
Thank you very much for your time yesterday. I enjoyed it. That was fun. That was fun. I have no idea how many people were watching that, but whatever. It was us. And Hard to tell. Yeah. I tried to figure it out last night, but it was on five different formats, so it's hard to tell. And yeah. Periscope's numbers are always really high, so I can't tell if they're really true. So I am curious. You had uh, you had some time uh, in isolation, some downtime. Did you give up on the NBA and crunching numbers, or or no? You're still trying to learn no, about the no, NBA I even still, when it's not. I still playing. played around, tried to find fun little tidbits, and looked the other day. I was checking who the best defenders on drives were in the NBA, and then I was looking who the best defenders on isolation were, trying to see if I could figure out who the best on out open floor defender is using metrics. Didn't figure. Found out Gary Harris is much better than I thought, at least statistically. Rudy Gobert's like in the top five on drives, by the way. Like all those times somebody backs out Rudy and tries to beat him, they never do. Or they very rarely do. Um, so, yeah, I was trying to just figure out, like, I don't know, just playing. I don't see if I get smarter somehow. Well, I think the question for me, David, is do you think that the Jazz should get Rudy Gobert the ball more? Um, I think the league is, I'm going to just take it seriously because I'm so excited to talk basketball. I don't want to lose this opportunity, so I'm just going to take you seriously. Um, (laughs) But backfired. Uh, The league has really changed. Uh, The priority of the best defenses in the league are to deny the rim, and they've become much more successful at that, or you know, subtly more successful a shot or two a game than uh, they used to be. Now, if you actually look at Rudy's numbers, he still leads the league in dunks. He still leads the league, I think, in, in... you know, high rate of shots in that in that or percentage of his shots in that area he leads the league. So um, the Jazz are still doing as good a job as they can, but there's an idiom in the league that you uh, the defenses dictate how many shots are taken at the rim, and offenses dictate how many threes are taken. And that's kind of where you know I think the league has gone that they're denying. They've, you know, Quinn broke the league a little bit with that high pass, and I think everyone decided that they probably shouldn't allow five dunks a game. We were talking with uh, Tim Lacombe about uh, Matt Van Comen transferring a Pleasant Grove High kid who went to the U for a year, and now he's going to transfer, and he's 7'4". And, you know, where might he go? And Tim said, well, somewhere with an older coach. And they're like, well, why is that? And he says, well, because the older coaches are still using four out and one in. And he says, it's not, you, you can't just say it's the older coach. But, he says, but largely the trend is the younger coaches are more likely to go five out. And we're seeing more of that, but mostly with the younger guys and not so much the older guys. In the NBA, how far are we away from everybody going five out all the time? I mean, that sounds extreme and over the top, but we see how this is trending. So what's it's, but it's really being dictated by defenses. That's what I think people are, at least the way I view it, is it's being dictated by the defense. So Milwaukee has decided this year that they're in the last two years they've allowed thirty percent of the shots at the rim last year and twenty nine percent of the shots at the rim this year. That's a, it's a crazy low number. So they they're just going to put Giannis and Brooke Lopez at the rim and deny you the ability to get to the rim. Well, the, really, your own. If they really commit to that, which they have, then it's really hard to get. So you're now your choices are you're not getting the shot at the rim the way you want to. So now your choices are whether or not you play in the half court, you play a mid-range jumper or a three. And it's the math is so bad on the mid-range jumper in that circumstance that you 
then are take you need to take fifty sixty threes to combat that defense, and the way you do it is by having you know every single guy on the roster be able to shoot thirty six or better from three you know we're interestingly enough we're probably the worst matchup for Milwaukee because Rudy test them at the rim a little bit and then every single one of our guys shoots 38 percent or better on catch and shoot threes and they're going to give up they would give up that catch and shoot three because of the fact that that's their their defensive scheme um and so we're heading that direction because if you can't get to the rim then you got to shoot a three now what the the flip side of this is that you know how do you defend the rim um toronto's doing it really really well um, without, you know, a big center per se. Serge Ibaka's, you know, pretty long, and Mark Gasol, when he plays, plays kind of that lumbering spot, but they've been doing it without Gasol for most of the year. Um, Miami does it pretty well um, with Bam Adebayo, who's 6'9". I mean, I think that's going to be the question, is how do you still continue to defend the rim if you're trying to play five out? I think the question for me is, how could you let Ron Boone carry his own golf clubs and golf bag for 18 holes? Why didn't you carry it for him? Uh, uh, because Ron Boone is a stubborn, stubborn sucker who would not um, <laughs> take a push cart. Oh, he wouldn't? <laughs> no, my daughter had one and offered to start the round. Like, would you oh, like my push cart? Yeah. I can carry. He wouldn't do it. And then I offered and he wouldn't do it. Okay. No, well, the back he wouldn't story, do it. We like saw he, them out on the golf course walking the other day. Yes. I love that new rule, by the way. I love that. I think that they should adapt. The, I think they should make all golf holes now play with the cup up an inch, and you just putt to it. I, it was fascinating to me on so many levels. One, I thought it increased pace of play. Um, yes. Two, everyone's scores were lower. Three, yes. I think somehow putting into a hole makes you putt it too hard, and so yes. you run. You end up running, you know, two or three putts a day by the hole too far, whereas. Nobody putted long all day long with the with the cup up. Like there's a psychology to something, and um, it might be no differently than like when you're trying to get a shooter to shoot over the front of the rim. So you put a broom there, and they shoot over the rim. The minute you drop the broom, they you know they suddenly hit to the front of the cup, the front of the rim again. I don't know, but there was something to it. I kind of liked it. Well, I, I scored really well, so that's why I really liked it. But um, yeah. Has it occurred to you maybe you were just hot that day, and that you know it's too small a sample size here? You're jumping to conclusions. No. Okay. There's definitely something to it. I think there is. I think what he's saying, DJ, is correct because we saw them out on the golf course before they closed them, obviously, and I felt the same way with that cup being up a little bit. Yeah, I I felt – I also felt it gave me a sense of confidence that I didn't have before. Yeah. And I was worried about stuff. And now it took, and as you know, having played golf a number of times yourself, the more you could take your mind out of it and not overthink it, the better you are. And and the putting was, you just you just had to hit it, man. There's, there was nothing to be thinking about. Just hit the ball. And it made me hit the ball. My stroke on the ball, my putting was much better. I ended up, I had, uh, I think I had a 75 that day. Yeah. Wow. Oh, there and, you go. Yeah. Nice. And you guys were at, you yeah. were at Bonneville, right? Yeah, right before they closed it. Yeah. 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 You would have you lo- lost by one to one of my playing partners, just so you know. Booner shot a 74, oh, that- huh? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> yeah, but I agree with what you say there. 
as far as the putting. Well, I think there's something to you're just like it seems so easy, right? You just like if I told you to putt the ball and hit the wall, you'd be like, okay, sure, no problem. Like you're hitting this thing that's off above the ground, so it just seemed really natural. Your point of confidence is 100%. I hadn't thought of it that way. But you're absolutely right. You're, like, how easy is this? Like, oh, I'm just trying to hit a thing that's, like, poking out of the ground. You think you could do it every single time. Whereas, yes. like, trying to actually put it in the hole somehow seems very psychologically different. And now, how do you – I was acting I mean, as a dad of a golfer. I was trying to figure out drills that, like, we could play – we could do that would gain that confidence into her putting stroke so that when – you know, she's playing in a tournament in the holes the other way that she had that. I had, didn't, couldn't quite figure it out, but it was, in, it was a concept at least. So golf closes, golf courses are closed here. You're in Summit County, uh, so now it's a lockdown there, huh? Yeah, I can't quite figure out all the rules here. Like, So here's the really important question. Pretty Bird is open today for grab-and-go. Can I drive down from Summit County and get Pretty Bird and drive home? I have no idea. I don't. I don't know how. Neither do I. Yeah. But like these are the like pretty bird is the definitely the item that you know is going to push us over the top. Well, I would say do it. See what happens. Well, I mean, I'm not going to get arrested. I'm just trying to be. I'm pretty certain no one's like going to stop me on my way out and ask me where I'm going. And then if if he does, I'll say you know want a pretty bird, and they'd say that's fine, obviously. But um, no, I mean, I'm just trying to. I really don't know some of the rules. Like, I'm, I'm trying to read the file. I'm just trying to do the right thing for this fellow citizens. I mean, we have we have one of the highest rates per capita of COVID nineteen of any of any county in the country, in the world. So, let's and we have an older population, and we are pretty prime here in Summit County with all the people that came in from out of from different parts of the world before they shut it down, and we have all the second homeowners that are flooding out of their cities that are rampant with COVID-19 and deciding to come here and probably bring it with them. So I understand what they're doing. I'm 100% behind it. I'm just trying to – I just am just curious on what, what I'm allowed and not allowed to do. I don't quite get it. Well, I would think I'm, that they're not – I'm dense. I need them to, like, lay it out for me. <laughs> I would think that they're not closing Interstate 80 or U.S. 40 through right. town, right? So if you're in your car, you're not a public health risk to anyone, I would think. So if you're just in your garage and you get out and drive and you get on the freeway and go to Salt Lake, I wouldn't think that that's an issue. But I don't have any idea because I'm like you. I don't – this is the first time I've ever heard of this, so I don't have anything to go on as far as what right. the rules are. Right. I mean, it sounds like Salt Lake's pretty close to in the next 24 to 48 hours being on some sort of lockdown, just depending on whether it's going to be listening to Aaron Mendenhall's Twitter last night. But it's either going to be, you know, unified with the county and the state or it's not. And um, she's trying to have it be a unified stance. And if they're not going to do it, then it sounds like she's on the verge of something. How much time do you think these guys are going to need whenever we get back as far as a form of a mini training camp? That's a. Um, someone said to me, "Who knows better than I do?" They're, they're going to need four weeks. Now that doesn't mean four weeks of training camp, but they're going to need to know if they're starting on July first. They're going to need to know by June first. So it might be two weeks of training camp or seventeen days of training camp, but they, they're they're going to need a, a month to know beforehand to start to get their bodies close. Um, which seemed little to me, but I mean, I don't think we have a lot of time. So th- that seems better than than I thought the answer might be. 
any idea how that'll be broken uh, down? I mean, like two weeks of like a mini camp, they're just scrimmaging, it's just them? I, I just don't. I mean, it's just so unprecedented. I have no idea. And, you know, I almost wonder whether or not it's, you know, the first two or three days you're just back out on the basketball floor and then you actually just play a scrimmage every other day for like five days. I don't have any idea. Like, you've got to ramp the, the – I do understand this from talking to Mike Elliott in years past about some other issues. You know, that you have this peak performance and you have this load level and it you – you actually want us like he, a lot of trainers and people believe that if we actually just played every other day, the injuries would be down. Like you just would get into a pattern and your body would get used to it. So there's some level where you want to try to get these guys body used to, you know, really playing. Um, and that, you know, you probably don't need to run through your playbook again. I would assume they still remember that. And they, I mean, they probably have to be reminded a little bit, but it's not quite training camp, right? With new teams members. So maybe that's what it is, is that you're doing something in a sense of your, you know, coming out the first few days and getting yourself ready and starting to get it up to peak level. And then once you get it to peak level, you just want to play every other day so that you stay there. But I don't know how long it takes to get to that point. He's David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and a guy who's ready to change the game of golf as we know it. David, thanks. I have a re- I have a really really important question, DJ, and I think you're the only person that can answer this question for me. Oh yeah. I'm doing what everybody else is doing and cleaning my office, which is a total pigsty because I like chaos. And I have the basketball official NBA guides, generally the sporting news guides, for every like NBA year. And I have, like, every pro basketball forecast and every pro football forecast. Those are stats books. I'll keep those. Someone, there might be something. But, like, the old NBA guide registers and the old NBA guides, do I, do I have – is it time to get rid of those with this thing called the Internet around and that you'll never look at those ever again? I think that you build a bookshelf behind you and put them on so that when you're doing stuff from home, you look really smart. I don't think you need them so much for the info that's in them. I think basically they become the set for the TV studio that is your office. Yeah, I got views, so I don't have that. (laughs) Well, find an interior wall and spin the desk around. All Uh, right. Thanks, David. You're always one step ahead, though. I'm impressed with your answers. All right, stay with us, DJ and PK. There's David Locke. Coming up, Utah Athletic Director Chris Hill is going to join us at 9.05 and talk about the NCAA. The payout was supposed to be $600 million, but they've canceled the basketball tournament. It's now going to be a $225 million payout. What is that going to do to athletic departments? And is it going to do different things to different athletic departments based on Pac-12, Mountain West, West Coast Conference not playing football, Big Sky, lower football expenses, but still playing football. We'll talk with Chris Hill about the impact on the schools of this much lower payout and what will happen if football season is impacted. And Kirk Herbstreit now believes it will be. We can get to all that coming up with Chris Hill in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. This, I'm sure, is something you would never have wanted to uh, be revealed. Tony and I went horseback riding in Hawaii, and Tony was the only one wearing a helmet. So Nat is going to somehow chime in. Why are you the only person wearing a helmet? Get on there. I got no idea what I'm doing. I have no skills whatsoever. They were like, is this your first time ever riding a horse? And I was like, I rode a horse when I was like eight. They were like, put this on. What's this? (laughs) A helmet. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. Every 
Everybody has to do this. Everybody's out there just vacation clothes, and there I am. The way your feet don't hang off the side of the horse, you look like a kid at a birthday party. I'm not going to say you're wrong. (laughs) Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've had a little basketball talk. We're going to have a little uh, college football and college basketball talk coming up. PK, I want to double back to the, uh, the golf thing. Are you ready? Go ahead, yeah. So when you say the cup is raised, so did they have like, was it like a, a plug that was in the hole and you had to hit that because there was like some circular thing like you'd put a plug in a drain or something and you just had to hit that and it was above ground level you know sometimes when you pull out the pin the cup will come up with it have uh-huh. you experienced that yeah that's all it is oh, okay that's so, at least at uh, least at bonneville so you although had- i've been the cup comes up although when i was at talon's cove a uh, beautiful golf course down there i really enjoyed playing talon's cove and they had they had a little thing covering the cup so that if you hit that, if you hit it into that, that was good. And it didn't have to stay in there. So I've seen it both. They have like, and it has like little, little things that are risen up inside where the hole would be. Bonneville literally had the cup up a couple of inches. So you had to so hit it, both. and of course you would hear that little ding as the ball would hit the thing or whatever, make some sound. So you'd know even if you were, you know, 20 feet away. There, there was a no-doubter if you hit it, right? Yes, you would hit it. And the thing with me is that it caused me to be more aggressive in terms of, the, well, there's no need, of, no sense of leaving it short. And I... Sometimes when you we've all done this when you putt, you you overthink it or you don't hit it hard enough or what have you. Well, when the cup was raised and even the one down in Talons where they had something covering the cup, uh, you felt like all right, there's no need to leave it short. It's right. like uh, there just there isn't any point. It's like a backstop so almost. It, it made me putt better. Yeah, as I say, I and I was hitting the center of it. I could tell. Okay, there was like one putt I thought maybe that might not have gone in. The rest of the putts, I felt like they would have they would have gone right in because I'm hitting it dead center because the stick is there, the flag is there, right, mm-hmm. and it's risen above. But so you, so you're still aiming for the dead center. At least I was, and so it just made me have way more confidence. Plus, I agree with what Locke was saying. The pace of play was a lot quicker, and so it just something. I don't know that they can consider it for amateurs, and that's all I am. It's just an amateur dude. And uh, it just made it, it made it more confident, and it made the round go faster. I actually enjoyed it. See, I wonder how much of it is that it's just actually a bigger target. Because, uh, well, it's like you say, if you're hitting it dead center, unless your pace is way off, I guess you could hit it dead center and jump it over the hole or something. That doesn't happen very often once you get to a certain level, but how many times do you have a putt either A, burn the edge, or actually lip out? Because all of those would be good with with the cup up. There would be, and if it hits it. But I was trying to make sure that I hit it dead center so I can get an accurate reflection. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like I did. I felt like there was only, of all the putts that I had, I felt like there was only one that that might not have gone in, might have lipped out. 
But the rest of them, for whatever reason, it just gave me confidence to go right at the center of it so I would eliminate any doubt. And I I felt like I had one of my better days putting. Now, maybe I'm kidding myself. We'll never know because I won't replicate that again. And once we get back to normal, I assume they'll take that out and it'll go back to the way it was. But I felt like I was putting much more of a fluid stroke and it wasn't I wasn't jabbing at it because I knew I had to hit it there was no reason to be short right the old Yogi Berra line 90% of putts that are short don't go in well obviously it's 100% and so I just felt like I had a much smoother stroke on the ball as I was hitting it and it was much more fluid and the ball was being as it was rolling it was rolling authentically towards the hole it wasn't like oh i'm off or whatever i just i felt like i had to hit it so i kept the line i was the line was so pure when i went and played the last time last week all right dj and pk it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone when we come back chris hill former utah athletic director on the uh the budget issues that 80s are going to be facing as the NCAA announces a 600 million dollar payout is no longer 1600 600 million with the NCAA tournament canceled it'll be 225 million what impact is that going to have on schools chris hill next stay with us